society. The Norm Theater, located in the sub-main concourse, plays the hottest films Wednesday through Sunday. Go to ubcfilmsociety.com for full scheduling information. Sign up for a membership at The Norm and receive half price off admission and benefits. 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 Check out the FilmSock Facebook group for more info. FilmSock? I think so. All right. Hello, and welcome to the Arts Report for April 28th, 2010. I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and on today's show, we'll be talking about DOXA, the Documentary Film Festival, as well as uh, Breathless Days, a three-day art history conference at UBC, and a report on The Gym TV, an online series by Nelson Carter. Uh, so let's get started, shall we? Now, DOXA, the Documentary Film Festival, is coming starting next Friday. There are loads of films from all over the world on every topic, every interest, and every taste, and there are lots of parties and events that coincide, coincide excuse me, with the festival. Uh, I spoke with Lauren Weisler, the acting executive director of DOXA, and she told me all about it. Um, could you just tell me uh, about the festival and what it is? Sure. We're DOXA, Documentary Film Festival, and we're an annual film festival that takes place every May. And our first festival was in 2000, and um, we show this year uh, for our 10-day festival um, about 75 films from around the world. There's a large Canadian content, and we're fortunate to have um, some great local films as well. Um, and we show a range films on a range of topics, everything from you know political and human rights stories to um, a lot of music films this year. Uh, we have some special uh, programs within the festival. We have uh, the Justice Forum, which uh, is about seven or eight films that have uh, legal human rights issues uh, as the core of their uh, stories. And those films have been selected to be within this program. We'll have discussions following them with uh, filmmakers who might be in attendance, uh, panel members, that kind of thing, uh, or people from legal and, and human rights organizations. Um, we have uh, our Canadian Features section, which is presented by Documentary the documentary channel um, and I think there's about 15 films that are Canadian Canadian films this year that are going to be featured length films that are, are in that program we also have a spotlight on France some of the French films we're showing this year yeah and that's uh, we're really excited May 7th to 16th excellent and um, your, this festival is not the kind that expects people to just show up watch film and then go home and sit on the couch there's, um, there's several kind of outreach aspects well, we're a really community-minded organization. We love partnering with other festivals, arts organizations, community organizations. And, and really, I think with documentary film, there, it's not just watching a Hollywood film and eating your popcorn and then you go home. Um, you're, you're learning about global stories and, and issues that are affecting, you know, us at home and people around the world and so there's a people want to talk about the films afterwards and so we really try and present an opportunity for people to come and we we, we are going to have several filmmakers in attendance this year and, and for example our discussions that we have um, following our justice forums uh, films and we have a public forum with uh, Tonal, Thomas Riedelsheimer um, 
you know, so we try and provide as many opportunities as possible for people to come and either, you know, participate in a Q&A with filmmakers after the film or, you know, just sit outside the theatre afterwards and, and talk with the person who was sitting next to you and, and talk about the film. So, you know, our mandate is to, to educate people about the art of documentary and... Uh, you know, so not just about the craft and, and the, the subject matter, but um, to, to really provide a forum for education and for people to, to talk and uh, learn. And, yeah. and uh, 10 years in, how is it going? Um, it's going great. We started off as um, a festival that took place, the first festival was in 2000, took place every second year. In 2004, we became an annual festival. So although we started 10 years ago, this is actually our ninth festival. We used to be a six-day festival and um, with a, a great trajectory of success and growth and increased audience attendance. Uh, last year, we became a 10-day festival. So we're very fortunate that we, we've been... Um, a successful organization that has been able to grow at a pace that's been good for us and um, we're we're so excited about this year our, our Chris Anderson our director of programming you know she says this to me every year it's, it's just our best lineup ever but this year she says it's, it's just a stellar lineup and you know you might have seen in the trailers um, for for the 14 films that we were able to preview today it's just it's a, a an eclectic mix and uh, some really outstanding films perfect thank you very much thank you <laughs> that was awesome so the festival kicks off next Friday, May 7th at 7.30pm and it opens with a film called Terra Madre and I'd like to tell you a little bit more about that film. So here goes. Uh, the Terra Madre conferences organized by Slow Food and held in Turin, Italy in 2006 and 2008 attracted some 6,000 delegates, activists, farmers from 153 nations to meet and exchange ideas, experience and plan for excuse me, the future of food production and sustainability. Italian author Ermano Olmi also attended the conference and to document the event. Now in his late 70s, Olmi has reached the state previously occupied by fellow countrymen Fellini and Rosalini. He is free to reinvent the documentary form, which is exactly what happens in Terra Madre. Beginning with the Terra Madre conference itself, the film branches off into multiple narratives. Trips to Italy and India are interspersed with conference delegates offering both insight and advice before gently settling on a remote Italian farm. Here is where something remarkable happens. As the film moves from theory to reality, cycling through the seasons of planting, harvesting, cooking, and eating, traditional documentary falls away and a singular type of poetry emerges. Terra Madre is a ravishingly beautiful ode to the earth in all its fecundity and abundance. And following the film uh, next Friday, there is an opening night party at the Harrison Galleries at 901 Homer Street. Uh, the film starts at 7.30, the party begins at 9.30, and um, tickets, I believe, are $10. Uh, it might be a bit different for the opening night. Um, and you can get a festival pass for $125. Anyway, all the information is available at doxafestival.ca. That's www.doxafestival.ca. Uh, tickets are available at uh, Videomatica, BizBooks, and Bibliophile. And uh, we'll have more coverage for you on Doxa next week. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. North by Northeast Music and Film Festival and Conference takes over Toronto once again, June 16th to the 20th. I 
North by Northeast showcases the best new music from around the world across dozens of genres. Rock, hip-hop, punk, country, blues, electronica, singer-songwriter, and more. It's your chance to catch breakout performances from tomorrow's stars. Five days, 50 stages, over 600 bands, plus 35 great music-related films, all for only 50 bucks. Wristbands are now on sale. Also available, full festival passes for North by Northeast industry conferences featuring celebrity interviews and networking sessions. The North by Northeast Music and Film Festival and Conferences, June 16th to the 20th, taking place in the heart of Toronto, Ontario. Visit www.nxne.com for tickets and up-to-the-minute festival information. There's a really exciting project that UBC is putting on. It's called Breathless Days, 1959 to 1960, a radiographic analysis of an extraordinary cultural and political moment. It's being put on by the Department of Art History, Visual Arts and Theory, instigated by Professor Serge Guilbeault and Professor John O'Brien. It's a really ambitious project, a festival almost, to explore the art, culture and society at a critical moment in the 20th century, the years 1959 and 1960 specifically, by looking at the visual art, consumer culture, film, literature, politics, and beyond. And it features a conference, two conferences, uh, an art gallery showing, and film screenings between now and, uh, I believe, May 7th. Uh, here's an example of consumer culture at the time. This is the very first Barbie TV commercial from 1959. Barbie dress for swim and fun is only $3. Her lovely fashions range from $1 to $5. Look for Barbie wherever dolls are sold. Someday I'm gonna be exactly like you. Till then I know just what I'll do. Barbie, beautiful Barbie. I'll make believe that I am you. You can tell it's Mattel. It's swell. I spoke with Professor Serge Gilboa about what events will be featured over the next few days, and here's that conversation that I had with him. So tell me about, um, let's just go over some of the actual events. What's, right. what is, uh, what's featured in, over the next few days? Well, we started, well, there is a discussion today about architecture at the, uh, at the Belkin Gallery at uh, noon, actually. Um, but then the, one of the major things is two series of conferences, one on, on May 1st and one and on May 2nd, two days, where we have uh, invited some scholars from, from Canada, from the U.S., from France, and, and somebody who's going to talk about Latin America. This is part, an ongoing program, by the way. So we have done one in France, and we're going to do one in California next year. And then we have also, parallel to this, we have a program of uh, curatorship here. We call it critical curatorship. 
um, some some graduate students uh, have organized a show with some of the collection that we have here of those two years, which is kind of interesting because there we can see the multiplicity of voices. Right? It's mm. kind of very weird and bizarre and interesting. And um, and also we uh, some we had some. Um, we borrowed some pieces from the VAG and also from a collector uh, of photographs, you know, photography. So we have some very major pieces there, actually, in the in the show. Um, and on May 7th, we have an, an, an extra day because we had to... It was difficult to have everybody in, in, in those two days. And also because we are invited and the French government has been helping uh, very much into all this, we have uh, Eric de Chassé, who is a, a prof at uh, Tours University in France, but he's also now the director of the the, the Villa Medici in, in Rome. So he's like the second of command in cult of the culture, uh, after the Minister of Culture in France. And he's involved in uh, promoting, so to speak, the, uh, you know, contemporary art production, but also the Villa Medici is where you can go as a scholar and do research, and so they have a series of stuff like that. So because he's interested in contemporary art, what we'll do is going to give a, a lecture about 1560 about Alec, uh, Alex Katz, a, a painter, pop art painter from, from the U.S., but at the same time we'll have a roundtable with Scott Watson, who's the director of the the, the, the Birkin Gary here and me, and we'll talk about the his vision of contemporary art, the problems with contemporary art, because we have tons of problems with contemporary culture and really? contemporary art. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, so... <laughs> So, you know, what to do, how to do, where to do it, and all that stuff. So he's going to tell us his vision of what uh, contemporary art scene is like and uh, the, the problems with it, how, how, to, how to select, how to present, who to present, and all that stuff. Mm. So this is very, now it's becoming a very big, important... Uh, Looks like we've lost the uh, second half of that interview. I'm sorry about that. Uh, now, I also spoke with Professor John O'Brien, and I asked him if this festival-like format is a new way to explore an academic topic. Is this a new way to, to cover topics? Well, we hope that it helps to explain, but you never arrive at a full explanation. You might arrive at a more, arrive at a more satisfactory account because it's messier, mm -hmm. because, of course, the reality is always messy. So we would hope that. But um, it's going to be one more narrative. Mm. Not, you know, we hope it's a more adequate narrative. Mm. But I don't think we're going to make any big claims for actually landing on, you know, um, landing on a, you know, an explanation that is unassailable. Tell me about the term radiography. Why use, you know, something well, specific because, to X-rays? Because to both, well, because both Serge and I are hugely interested in atomic culture, and and I have to say. Although we've both written about it, I'm spending a lot of time writing about it now. So I have a couple of a book and an exhibition underway mm -hmm. on the intersection of the atomic with the visual. And so radiographic um, seemed just like the right metaphor. Mm -hmm. You know, everything is lit by the light of the atomic blast, and even though it's invisible, you know, radiographic analysis, radiation's invisible, mm -hmm. it can still penetrate. So it seemed like the right, and and of course it's it's very much of the time anxieties were never higher uh -huh. about things atomic than they were leading up to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh -huh. So a radiographic analysis X-rays into what you can't see and makes it visible. 
So that's why we use the word. What do you think are the, the lessons of that time, that moment in time where there was so much fear and uh, sort of a confluence of, of, of politics and art and culture? What, what can we take out of that today in 2010? Well, this was a moment of, of a new phase of globalization, of enormous acceleration and change because of jet travel and because of the dispersal of various forms of culture internationally. And because of the Barbie doll. And the Barbie doll. You've the, looked at the website. I have. The Barbie doll. Have you seen the YouTube clip on Yeah. It's a, good, it's a catchy <laughs> jingle. Very catchy jingle. <laughs> but it dates itself. And so all that was happening then. Beginning, I would say, with the Bush administration earlier on, but came to a head in the Bush administration. The tensions within globalization that, first of all, were highly political, kind of a, you know, a reigniting of the Cold War with the Soviet Union for a while, the United States playing hardball, and then the financial meltdown, again, the word meltdown relates to things atomic, um, has, is another... Um, and we seem to have lost the other half of that interview as well. That's rather sad. I'm going to try to fix that. And in the meantime, we'll listen to this lovely ad. Strength, dignity, respect, I lost half. beauty, self-worth, safety, confidence, choice, hope. The Beauty Night Society is a registered charity dedicated to helping marginalized women introduce trust, hope, and self-esteem into their lives. This is the first day of Through its popular makeover program, the Beauty Night Society has touched the lives of thousands and reintroduced a healthy touch to the lives of vulnerable women throughout British Columbia, creating real life makeovers. Please visit www.beautynight.org for information on programs and on how to help. Beauty Night, because dignity is Beautiful. I think I was blind before I met you. All right, and now we have a report on the Jim TV, an online series uh, by Nelson Carter, and this report is by Nick Panu. Hey, I'm Jim Maines. I used to play pro football. Then my anxiety got the best of me and I took off all my clothes. <laughs> no more pro football. So I did what any other super talented athlete would do. I opened up my own gym. My buddy Lance runs the juice bar. And my trainers are the best in the business. Welcome to my gym, the gym. Listeners, right now we're on the line with Nelson Carter Lees, the creator, writer, producer, and star of the online series, The Gym. How are you doing? And thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Uh, you're welcome, Nick. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on tonight. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, can you fill us in on uh, yeah what this show, this online series, is, is about? Uh, it is about the day-to-day goings-on of the staff at a gym and my character's name is Jim Maines, hence the name of the gym, which is The Gym, J-I-M. And the backstory is that I used to play professional football, and I was kicked out of the league after an embarrassing incident, uh, which is uh, my character dropped a pass in the middle of the game, and he's got an unfortunate anxiety disorder where he, he strips down, <laughs> he takes his clothes off, 
when he uh, he feels anxious, when he feels anxiety, it's sort of a claustrophobic type uh, reaction. So uh, that's the backstory. Uh, episode one starts off with the grand reopening of the gym. So Jim sort of giving his staff a pep talk and uh, telling them, uh, you know, why the gym's going to make it this time. The idea being that obviously uh, it failed miserably the first time. Hey, I'm Jim Maines. I used to play pro... A, a comedy in a gym. We knew that we wanted to create something that was a niche and that is sort of required when you're doing something on the internet um, to attract a sort of a very specific demographic. So we went as specific at first as a boxing gym and then we realized perhaps that was a little bit too niche and we needed to broaden it a little bit and everybody has a relationship with the gym whether you've done yoga or you've run on a treadmill or done Pilates or whatever. So, I mean, and we all have ridiculous uh, things that we've been through at a gym, you know. I mean, you can all relate to the guy who sweats too much and doesn't wipe off the equipment or the, the guy who's maybe just a little too naked and in your face just a little too long, you know. So it was that idea, and uh, we just started riffing sort of cross-country between Vancouver and Toronto, and we wrote for about five months in terms of how long an episode should be. Um, but we felt for our show and the size of the cast, we were able to really communicate the story and, uh, at around 10 minutes. Uh, so you'll see that towards the last few episodes, they're, uh, they're running a little bit longer, but we were, uh, we were definitely happier with that. Uh, your first online series, how have your expectations been uh, met, maybe exceeded? or yeah, What has the whole experience been like? It's actually been uh, an amazing experience. My, um, you know, the, in terms of the cast, we were we're all actors from Vancouver, uh, working actors, but none of us were uh, um, sort of marquee, so-called, you know, marquee actors or stars. So nobody knew who we who we really were, and so we were throwing our show out into the um, you know the webosphere for the world to consume. And we didn't know if we would get, so we thought it'd be great if we got 100 hits, and we're getting pretty close to 20,000 hits now. So I'm ecstatic with, uh, with the response. And it's just, it's been due to Ryan, Elfina, and I sitting down at the computer and just putting in those hours, literally eight hours a day, of contacting bloggers around the world, or whether they be bloggers about entertainment or fitness, uh, getting on the Facebook and doing hours of marketing on Facebook, emails, MySpace. And that's how we've really got our show around the world, contacting other creators of web series in different countries that have been successful. Uh, so it's a, it's a very much a grassroots effort, but we've had a great response. Uh, our our uh, Facebook page is growing you know, very quickly every day. People are jumping on, people from around the world. We have a lot of Canadian fans, obviously, being that we're from Vancouver, but it's amazing how many U.S. fans we have, and it's, it's really great. And people really are very loyal, and the thing with doing a web series, 
and having a website is you can really uh, create a community, and that's very important, is to engage with your viewer, with the people who are coming to your website and getting them talking, whether it's through uh, posting on the website itself or on our Facebook fan page. And we're working with some new technology right now that, uh, that tags and tracks every every image, everything that's in a frame and allows the viewer to click on it and then purchase the item in the frame. So whether it's, you know, my shirt, my shorts, what have you, my water bottle, um, it's, it's really exciting that way. So it's not a uh, sort of passive advertising. Uh, so the listeners can check out the gym at uh, www.thegym.tv. And uh, you mentioned... Uh, a Facebook group, so if uh, the listeners Google... That's right, so the gym, T-H-E-J-I-M, and it's on Facebook, there's a fan page. And in addition to that, actually, all of our characters have uh, Facebook profiles as well. So my character, Jim Mains, along with all the rest of them. Uh, and it's the gym web series on YouTube, and on blip.tv, it's the gym, J-I-M. Uh, listeners, we were just talking to one of the creators, the producer, and one of the stars for the Gym TV, Nelson Carter Lease. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this interview, and I uh, look forward to talking again when uh, the second season starts. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Nick. I uh, had a great time here. Really, uh, really appreciate it. Oh, you saw the commercial, huh? This is great. All right. Yeah. Hey, all right. You guys are joining up, huh? No. All right, see you, douche. Where are they going? Oh, they're just here for the juice. Why, what juice? The juice in Lance's commercial. See you now. See you now. <laughs> Thanks to Nick Panu for that report. All right. Um, we're going to try to get the second half of those interviews. Uh, we'll do that after this. CITR 101.9 FM is proud to support the third annual Canada International Mariachi Festival, Friday, May 7th at the Chan Centre at UBC. Experience the excitement and culture of some of the best international mariachi performers, musicians, and dancers, including five mariachi bands from Mexico, the United States, and Canada. The third annual Canada International Mariachi Festival, Friday, May 7th at the Chan Centre at UBC. More information and tickets at mariachifestival.ca. All right, here goes. This is, hopefully, John O'Brien, Professor John O'Brien, talking about the context of 1959 and 60 compared to uh, events that are going on today. Very particular chapter in the history of globalization. So I think it now seems as if maybe everything is is not going to circulate the way we thought it was going to circulate. I mean, the way it seemed to have been circulating. It wasn't going to be American power still, it, right? It wasn't going to be you know goods going everywhere. Um, where in, in you know the lessons of what's happened in the last ever since nine eleven and then the financial meltdown suggests something else. And I think that what what in looking at fifty nine 
60, we can learn something from that period, about the last decade. Looking at art and, and those artifacts, you know, the, the films, the, the music, the, the visual art, is that a more accurate telling of the time than just a history, history book? No, I wouldn't no? say that it's more accurate. What's the uh, difference then? Art doesn't try to... Art makes no attempt to be accurate, and nor does it make any attempt to tell straightforward narrative as history often. It uh, works by indirection and by affectivity, how people respond. And that affectivity can spill over into the intellectual as well. So it does very different kinds of work. Um, and there's an allowance for a different kind of criticality within art that can be the, the, the revealing of a kind of self-understanding, self-reflection on the artist's part that can be conveyed to the viewer, to the reader, uh, about what the process of making that art is under what particular social conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, so art functions very differently. And so what does that art say about 1959 and 60? Well, it says that it's happening everywhere, and we used to like to think that it really only happened in New York and Paris, right? <laughs> well, we've, you know, since then, we've certainly known that it happened in San Francisco and L.A. and London, but we didn't think much about Toronto or Vancouver. Mm, or Latin America. Or Latin, never mind Latin America <laughs> or Asia. My God, beyond the pale. But we understand, We, I think, we all understand now that at any one moment, extraordinary things are happening, or extraordinary art is being made. Maybe it's not extraordinary. Most art isn't extraordinary. It's very banal and ordinary. But the potential for extraordinary work to happen anywhere in the world um, is there. All right, hooray, that, that worked. And now let's play the other half of uh, Professor Serge Gilbo's interview, where he was explaining to me uh, what the events are over these next few days. Uh, political issue, because contemporary art is like the image that uh, a country projects outside. It was always like that, but before it was, it was simple. You had only two or three centers, you know, big centers. Now those centers have disappeared. So it's kind of a sea of production and, uh, with a BNR everywhere in every continent and countries. I mean, everybody wants to have one. You know, we don't know why exactly, but it's like that, this idea of presentation. So he's going to talk about all those, all those okay. projects. And then there's going to be some films. Yeah. What we decided was to have two... Uh, major film, you know, like mm -hmm. those two two years. So that's a uh, Godard, uh, Aboutsouf, Breathless, but also um, also Psycho, Psycho Hitchcock, Hitchcock, because those two were really major at the time, right? They, they, everybody, the public went like crazy, mm -hmm. and they were symptomatic. It seems to me of that moment, right? Mm -hmm. One is the Breathless I was talking about, right? The 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 deconstruction of the mm -hmm. of, of language, and also the guy is cool. He's a cool guy. He's on the, on the edge, you know, of of, uh, of being a gangster. He doesn't, he, but he's, he's, he doesn't know what he's doing really. And also, he falls in love, so to speak, with this American girl. So his American-French kind of connections that was quite hot in those days. And and Sacco, of course, it's all about fear, right? It's mm. about the Cold War fear, mm. uh, but but to transfer into a, a Sacco thing with a with a, a, a tourist and. Uh, the mother, and mm. it's, so is going. Is the, is the Cold War seen through 
a kind of uh, psychological thing, right? And mm. Psychoanalytic studies. Yeah. So it's quite. So, so those two movies represent exactly that, the, the the moment perfectly. And what is interesting is that the the French government again helped us to to bring back the original film uh, on thirty five millimeters, but revamped, right? Mm. Cleaned up and mm. fixed and so on. So it's going to be a a major event. Wow. See? <laughs> remastered? And yeah, well, <laughs> not remastered, but you know what they do, like the re, regenerate, cleaned up and yeah. fixed, you know, that's what you mean, remastered? Yeah. yeah. But it's the, it's the original thing, the plastic thing. Oh, you know, okay. Kind of, uh, the original film. Well, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So that's what, and also the, because the, when you project that through those old machines, mm. you know, uh, you have a different feeling. Yeah, and there's it's a certain quality that yeah, you don't yeah, have in, yeah. in digital film. Yeah, so that's what it's on. I mean, I, maybe that's a little bit too, uh, romantic, but it's you know it's, uh, it's no. It's I, I, I think it's, it's true, especially I think uh, in, in photography as well. You're starting to see people um, getting back into yeah. Um, yeah. into film film cameras because there's a certain something yeah. you can see it in the image. There's yeah. a certain magic there that you don't yeah. have in yeah. digital pictures. And, and listen to the, now those people with the, also with their records. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, same <laughs> so thing. Yeah, there's it's certain, kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let me just. Um, so I'm that's just, what we're gonna do with all this. All right, so let me give you some information about this event. The conference is May 1st and 2nd, and it begins at 9.30 a.m. and goes till 5.30. And it's located in the Lillooette Room at the IK Barber Learning Center here at the UBC campus. The conference is open to the public, and you can reserve seating... Uh, by going to this email address, sending an email to conf, C-O-N-F, uh, 5960 at interchange.ubc.ca. And you should know that students attend free with valid ID. Uh, otherwise, it's $10. Now, along with the conference, there is a film screening. And it'll include two films, uh, Jean-Luc Godard's um, Breathless, also known in French as Abu de Souffle, and Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho from 1960, both films from 1960. And that's a double bill at Pacific Cinematheque, May 2nd and 3rd at 7 p.m. And for more information on that, you can go to www.cinematheque.bc.ca. And there's also an exhibit. The... Breathless Days, 1959 to 1960, a chronotropic experiment will be at the Morris and Helen Belkin Art Gallery from April 16th to June the 2nd. And if you want more information, you should definitely check out their website. They have this excellent website set up for the conference, for the events, and also as a bridge to the outside world because they, they want to engage um, everyone into this conversation about 1959 and 1960. It's also where I got that clip of the Barbie commercial. So check it out. It's The address is breathlessdays1959-1960.wikispaces.com. That's breathlessdays1959-1960.wikispaces.com. And we will be right Back. You 
ABC Film Society. The Norm Theater, located in the sub-main concourse, plays the hottest films Wednesday through Sunday. Go to ubcfilmsociety.com for full scheduling information. Sign up for a membership at The Norm and receive half-price off admission and benefits. 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 Check out the FilmSock Facebook group for more info. FilmSock? I think so. All right, well, that's all we have time for today. I'm really sorry about those technical glitches that broke up those interviews, but I'm glad I managed to play them after all. Now, before I go, there's a few things to tell you about that are upcoming, including the Persistence of Vision Student Film Festival. That's the annual event showcasing short films written, directed, shot, edited, and produced by students of the film production program at the University of British Columbia. This year's festival celebrates the 20th anniversary of POV, as well as 40 years of film production at UBC. The festival is uh, at April 30th at 7 p.m. and May 1st at 7 p.m. at Granville 7 Cinemas. Tickets are available for $10. And um, if you go on Friday night, April 30th, you'll see me there. Uh, Another thing to quickly tell you about is that April 30th is the last chance for you to buy season's passes to your favorite arts organizations before the dreaded HST kicks in. So if you have memberships to something like the Fringe or the Fire Hall Art Center or any other arts group that you like to attend at a regular basis and you want to get a season's pass... Be sure to do so before April 30th, and that way you can save money. And quickly, also, I want to plug a music show coming May 1st. It's the Living Dead Beats at Funkies, which will include iHeart Punk Chicks featuring lesbian fist magnet, uh, as well as Gynosaurus X, Life Against Death, uh, yeah, that's the list of bands, and uh, you can find, get more information by going to myspace.com slash thelivingdeadbeats. That's all I have today. Join me next week when we will have a glitch-free show that's next Wednesday at 5 p.m., and I will put up a podcast of this week's show and last week's show so that you can hear it again, if you so choose. Thanks again, and see you next week. Strength, dignity, respect, beauty, self-worth, safety, confidence, choice, hope. The Beauty Night Society is a registered charity dedicated to helping marginalized women introduce trust, hope, and self-esteem into their lives. This is the first day of Through its popular makeover program, the Beauty Night Society has touched the lives of thousands and reintroduced a healthy touch to the lives of vulnerable women throughout British Columbia, creating real life makeovers. Please visit www.beautynight.org for information on programs on how to help. Beauty Night.